0: Psalm 23 The Lord is my shepherd. Won't you go with read with me? I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Amen. It was a young couple knew very well many years ago. They had been through some hard times financially and they were actually, they had made some life changes the year before and the husband had changed jobs and significant difference in income and, and both agreed on it, but it was still significant change in their lives. They were actually living in the uh, pool house of a friend. They'd been married about seven years, had three kids at this time and, and things were hard. Seemed in many ways very hard. And the debt and where they were financially was pretty overwhelming to them. The wife came home one day and she was just distraught uh, in many ways and just at at her end, just crying and going, how are we ever going to make it? How are we ever, ever going to make it? So what the couple did was because they were so deep financially, they went out and spent about $3,000 that evening in buying furniture on credit. That's what you do when you're in deep depression, and things are hard, and you're in financial strait. What's the best cure for that? Go get more debt. It did feel better, didn't it, Jan? It really did feel better. That evening, we felt so much better walking away with new furniture. Even though we had to call her mom to sign on the... to help get credit. We've been there. We know what it's like to walk when other people call the shots in your life. When other people have say-so, really, almost without you even knowing it, they have so much say-so in your life because of debt. As we've been working through this whole journey over the last few months of margin, one of the areas obviously we cannot leave out, talking about margin, is financial margin. Because probably one of the, if, if you sit down with couples, if you sit down with even uh, it's just about anybody, but especially couples, especially those in, in tough spots in their life. One of the things that's going to rise to the top immediately is going to be talking about finances. Almost always. Jesus had a lot to say about finances. Had a lot to say about money. He talked about it more than he talked about heaven and hell combined. He talked about it a lot. And I think the reason Jesus talked about it so much was not about money itself obviously money itself is not evil it's either a piece of paper it's a piece of metal in itself it's not evil it's not destructive but when it has meaning then all of a sudden it takes on a different feel and a different light what Jesus knew was what we do with our money is an indication of what's going on in our heart. The primary way to know what's going on in our heart in, in many ways is to know how people spend their money and what they do with it and what, they, what it does to them. Maybe is a better way to say it in some ways. So what you do with money is a real real spiritual issue. When we talk about financial margin, or talk about margin in general, we cannot ignore this subject. Because so much of our life our stress well it's around attachment. Reading Dave Ramsey in Relevant Magazine a few years ago, he's talking about the fact of how much credit card, car, student loans, and student loans are off the chart in many ways. Uh, how much of that is eating up the margin or discretionary income, and it's the control that that begins to take on our lives that someone else now is calling the shots. And if we use credit cards instead of cash, even though you may pay them off each month, most people, the average is they spend 12 to 18% more because they do it on credit card. Even though they're paying it off. Or some may use it because of air miles, and you hear that, and and I'm right there with you. But they say 75% of the air miles are never redeemed. The points are never redeemed. It's amazing. but attachment. And the very fact we live in a certain society that necessitates a certain economic accommodation to that society, obviously most of us know we live in an excess economy. If we didn't spend excessively, our economy would be in trouble. I mean, there's it's no way around it. I mean, we, we would really be in trouble And we'll talk about it a little more next week, talking about how progress is not always progress. And I realize if we don't do some of the excess and we're not in that, somehow or another in there, we would be in trouble as a culture. But somewhere, there's got to be a compromise. Or a fine line where you walk both of them. There's got to be a place where you don't feel like you're now beginning to compromise and step across that line, but not just step across it. You run across it. (laughs) And you're so far away from that line. In some ways, you're not even sure how to get back. And we're vastly different people in this room and those who attend renovation. I mean, we come from different circumstances... We come from different needs. Some are single. Some are are married. Some are married with children. Some are married with multiple children. We have different levels of income, obviously. Some of us live in certain parts of town where 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 you can't... Technology. I just lose it. I don't know. I thought it was usually loose here. Anyway. black here otherwise. I'll just yell loud. How about that? I was trying to be more Controlled. Okay, let's see how it goes. And no matter how overwhelming or how complicated or how we want to avoid even this subject today. I, I don't know about you, but man, I get tired of trying to keep. Now we got to go to the handheld. I know y'all are disappointed. Yeah, no, I'm good. Thank you, sir. But the question then comes back can we live? Can we truly live in a world we live in today? Can we live with financial margin? Can we really begin to put those things in place that allow us to go? I got breathing room, I've got space in my life. Because we know margins, we talked about it, it's emotional, it's relational, it's all those things. But man, if we don't deal with the financial part of this, I don't think we'll ever get healed. And by talking about this this morning, and where we'll go with this and, and, and we'll it is we will challenge you even as time goes on, over the months and years of being a part of renovation, if you are, <clears throat> it will challenge the affluent lifestyle, no doubt. It'll challenge some areas where some can live and some can't, obviously. It will be countercultural. Some of the things that will challenge is this it'll challenge your peer group. It will challenge the peer group that you hang with. Because so much of what happens to us in margins we've talked about, we really believe one of the, it plays one of, our, one of our greatest fears, and that is being left out. It scares us to death to think that we'll be out here alone, somehow or another, on the edge. And people will be looking at us going, well, what are you doing? That's different than what the rest of us are doing. Talking about this has a lot to do with living from a life of entitlement. It'll begin to challenge those ways we look at things that we think that we're entitled to. We deserve this because of, and you fill in the blank. It'll begin to challenge some things in our life that have to do with scarcity. It's so many times we do things in life. We try to get as much as we can because we're afraid again that we won't have enough. I've seen people do that at, at potlucks. They leave half of it on the plate, but boy, they wanted to make sure they had enough. We do it in all kinds of ways. Scarcity, we, we don't want to use that word because scaredy, it kind of makes you kind of go scaredy cat, scaredy cat. You start going, hey, I don't, I don't like that word but if we're not careful, we look around and go, man, I operate from scarcity. But when you have margin, you operate from abundance. You operate from generosity which is a whole different place to live from. But how do we get there? I don't know, <laughs> but we're going to try to give you some things today. Now, financial margin deals with our cash sources versus our cash usage. What do I have coming in versus what do I have going out? What do I want to leave enough room to have things come up in my life? Because <clears throat> without margin, especially in our our, our our financial margin, if we don't have that, if a car breaks down or, 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 or a washer or dryer goes out or... We're, we're panicked. All of a sudden, we're, we're, we're in a stress mode. And I know I'm probably not... I, I, again, I'm assuming there's people in here that I'm talking to today that this is hitting right at home. I'm assuming that. Because most people I know live close to that. The other part of this is, without financial part, uh, 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 financial margin... It not just robs you of your sleep. It robs you of all kinds of different things. But it robs the kingdom from being funded around the world. It, it robs the ability to advance the kingdom. And so many of us, even if we increase our income. I, I, now, you don't have to raise your hands today. But many of you have more income coming in now than you've ever had. And you have less margin than you've ever had. Because somehow or another our, our lifestyle increases with our income increase. And somehow or another we thought well if I could ever get to there and make that. And we find out we got to there and made that. And we've got less margin than we had when we made that. Because we somehow or another are able to take all that in and spend all of it. And find ways to do it. I don't know if you've ever had that feeling gnawing at you at three o'clock or two o'clock or whatever in the morning of that thing that you think you want so bad and you're trying to figure out how to get it, or you've got that three o'clock in the morning and you just woke up, you've got that, you've got it now, now you don't know how to pay for it. Either way, that gnawing doesn't feel very good. And it begins to choke out. If we had a chance to talk about uh, the parable of the sower today, uh, the third dirt in the parable of the sower, those who know that parable, talks about the cares of this world come along and choke out good seed. It just does. I'm not trying to be a downer this morning. I just think which where many people, most people I know live. Wouldn't it be great to know That you really have the opportunity to have enough each month to cover everything you have. To have space for any emergencies. You've put money away for savings. And wouldn't it be awesome to know that you are also funding advancing the kingdom around the world? Wouldn't it be great to know that you could live there? I believe God wants that for us. But what are Jesus' words? Matthew 6, 19-24. What are Jesus' words on this, though, and how is He going to help us? I, I believe His words help us today, and hopefully, I can and give us some some uh, semi insight into this. He says, "Do not store for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where your thieves, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also." The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body is full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body is full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? That's not a question, it's a statement. How great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money if you can't give because you're in in debt. You know, that's one of the big challenges. Because you can't serve both God and money. But we'll come back to that in just a minute. 1st of this. 19 through 21 says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin. And rust would be one of those, and in some translations, for most part, in, in Arizona, we don't have this big issue with moths or vermins or, or rust or anything. But what we do have in Arizona, as we talk about this, we have inflation, deflation, subprime loans. <laughs> you, we have things that come into our culture that maybe Scripture didn't know, was not the writer was, didn't know about subprime loans coming in 2006 or whatever. But the problem is, though, so many of us have put our treasures, and, and we did the right thing. Many of us, I would say, alone, did all the right things. Maybe you put 20% down. Maybe you did all the things you're supposed to and you've had great credit scores. And you've done all those things, but somehow or another, you were still not exempt from it. And that's all right. We need to do things to invest. And, and, and I think you'd see where Scripture talks about savings and we'll mention that here in just a minute. But the question comes to us, though, is that are you investing in things that last forever? Because Jesus is saying, whatever you fix your treasure on, whatever you fix your whole life on, he's not saying that your heart should or should not be there. He's just saying it will be there. That's just where it's going to go. Because our lips, and you hear us talk about it here, our lips can say whatever it wants to say, but our feet and our hands will do what's in our heart. You may not always live out what you profess, but you always live out what you treasure, you will, it will always come out in who you are. Because the reality is that without a change of heart, our heart and our desires will almost always exceed our funds. And the question many times, many questions, is it possible for us to come to a point where you don't desire more house, even if you can afford it? Can you live content with what you have with no further desire to accumulate more? Can you live without giving going into debt for, except for maybe a house? Can you live in a way that you don't buy for its status but for its usefulness? Can you live in a way that you're not trying to build up your kingdom but the kingdom of God? Well, I believe all the answer to all those are yes. We can live that way. Here at Renovation, one of the things, talking about advancing the kingdom with things that last forever, one of the things we are committed to here at Renovation, we've talked about it in our team training, is that we are committed to storehouse tithing as a church of the Nazarene and a renovation. We believe that is part of our journey as a commitment, as a group of people here, investing that this is an investment where your treasury is, that's where your heart will also be. And we believe one of the ways you do that is through supporting the ministry here. But I know for some, when they, when you begin to talk about that, there's, uh, there's, uh, y- y- one of the things that cross many people's minds is when you bring that up is every time I come to church, they talk about money. And I understand that, but you haven't come to church here often, if that's the case, because we don't talk about it that much. But I'd also say this, after 27 years of being a tither, I have never said that I remember ever in my journey as a Christian as giving and, and, and trying to give and trying to be a generous person, and Jane and I have, that's never struck me, going where the church talks too much about money. It just never has. And most people I know that tithe and give, I've never heard that come out of their mouth either. I'd tell you who it usually comes out of, and I'm not going to pick on anybody, but I know who it usually comes from. And that's all right. But we have to address it because I believe that, as Jesus was saying, it's a heart issue as much as it is a financial issue to fund anything, because it's more than a fundraiser for the church. I believe it, it, it goes alongside, you know, worship, singing songs of praise, praying, giving is right there. And just starting from a practical standpoint, Who would want to be a part of something like your HOA or your gym membership or whatever it is where only 10 to 15% of the people help support it? Most, Just from a practical standpoint, most of us would go, oh, that doesn't work. How how does that work? That doesn't even seem fair that that would work. I'm just talking about from a practical, I'm not talking scriptural, but practical. Most of us would push back on that. Jan and I started tithing, like I said, 26 years ago, I guess. We made a decision in our heart, and it's never been an issue. Even through the times you go, well, what, what? That times where you were buying the furniture thing, you might should have diverted that, and that's possible. But I don't think so. But this is way more than what we're talking about today. This is way more than about trying to figure out how to you to tithe or not to tithe, even though I think that's practical, I think it's biblical. And I know for many people along the way, they say, well, and some of you in the class already heard this, but some of you say, well, tithing was, a, was, a, was, an, was an Old Testament law. But this is what we know in Scripture. And what I believe, it, I'm convinced of in Scripture, anytime law is there, grace goes beyond all. Jesus says, I came to fulfill the law. But for instance, when law says, do not commit murder, grace says what? Do not have hate in your heart for your brother. Law says, do not commit adultery. Grace says, do not have lust in your heart. Grace always goes beyond law. So for me, the issue has never been whether 10% or not. That's kind of the getting in point. The question is, anything over that? Because grace goes beyond law. But I want you to hear this from me more than anything else today is where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. Wherever that is, I just believe this. You need to be you don't have to be at renovation, and that's all right. There's a ton of churches, multiple churches in this community that are advancing the kingdom. And in multiple organizations, parachurches that are advancing the kingdom. I just believe with all my heart, you need to be helping advance the kingdom. And without margin, most of you are going to have a hard time ever getting there. Again, it doesn't have to be here. I just believe with all my heart, you need to be doing it somewhere. And I realize for some of you, whether it may be hard when you hear this 10% tithe, and I, that's a new concept. Some of you were raised in the church. It's just automatic, and you begin to do it. For some of you, it's not. And I understand that. Maybe you just start out at some other point. But I believe with all my heart, that is where God wants us to get to. But it's advancing the kingdom, but you're investing in something that will last forever. But what is your single aim or purpose? I love what this says. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body is full of light. You know the word healthy there, the Greek word for healthy right there means generous. Literally, translation, the Greek word there is generous. And the translation for unhealthy in this is, but if your eyes are unhealthy, it means stingy. Literally, translation there is stingy. Either you're generous and you're healthy, or you're stingy and you're unhealthy. I'm just reading, these are Jesus' words here. It's not something I came up with this morning. But the ancient people did not think of light entering the eye from the outside, but rather light coming out of one's eye to the world. And when the word says here, and it says, it's in the light within you is darkness. How great is that darkness? The single aim. Because the New Testament calls us to break the love from money. That's its its big thing, and it's what Jesus is calling us to. And... The, the thing I want to make sure of is that you don't walk out of there this morning thinking that I'm totally against people making money and, and against anything that's, uh, Richard Foster says in his book, uh, uh, the discipline, uh, spiritual disciplines, celebration of disciplines, he says, he points out that we must not overstate the New Testament criticism of wealth. Though far from rich, Jesus did not come to, from the, the poor masses of Israel. He stated, the New Testament scholar Martin Engel summarizes, that as a carpenter, Jesus came from a middle class of Galilee. The skilled workers, the 12 disciples, came from basically the same background. Jesus was poor, was with the poor and the rich. In other words, Nicodemus and the Pharisees' home. He allowed the lavish expenditure of perhaps a year's wages to be poured out over his head and his feet while his disciples grumbled over the needs of the poor. This is not about trying to figure out how to keep people from making money. It is about changing people's hearts and the way they look at it. And the only way we'll ever get to the point where we realize that we have got to have space for this is beginning to discipline ourselves for that space. You know, I, one of the biggest challenges, I think, for, for any of us is, is in, in the prayer. We've talked about this as being people of faith. We don't want just a faith that stops us from doing something. In other words, we don't want just a faith that stops us from being in debt. Okay, that's great. I want a faith that gives me a heart of generosity. I want it to change me to be a person that is of a generous spirit. Not just a person who stops paying the debtor and being controlled by somebody else. That's great, and we need to stop. I think that's something we all should aspire to: is to not be in control, being being controlled by someone else. Because Jesus goes on to to say, you can't serve God and money. The literal the word "serve" there, you go. I don't serve money. If we don't have enough margin and we pay most of everything we've got to debtors, the government. Now, some some people say, oh, I could never give 10% of my income away. Bubba, you're giving way more than that away. (laughs) Honey, you're giving way more than that away. You're going to give it away. The question is, what are you investing in? And what are you serving? Is money serving you so you can worship God? Or are you serving it, which is a form of idolatry? What is the purpose for the money that's coming into your home? is to build your kingdom or the kingdom of God. Now, again, I know some of you are going to walk out of here this morning probably a little ticked off of me, but that's all right. That somehow or another we have no no right to be meddling in the areas of finances or relationships, but I just believe with all my heart that somehow or another we've got to continue to to hit this face head on. And in my own life, I'm working through it. I'm going to share with you a few things that we're going to be, Jan and I talked about it this morning, some things that we're going to be working at this week. And again, it's more than just stopping doing something, but having a faith that it causes me to become something, become a generous person. Because verse 33 says, seek first, seek first the kingdom of God and all this righteousness. And then these things will be added unto you. Few questions I just throw at you. We have to answer this as a church body. We have to answer this as leadership. We have to answer this. My own, I have to answer this in my own home. Where am I headed? Seek first the kingdom of God and all of its righteousness. Lay up your treasure not where moths and rust and vermin. Where is your treasure being stored? Where are you headed with this thing? Well, what is your purpose behind this whole accumulation deal and, and by the way it's all his. He allows us to manage it the reason why I tell you it's all his because you ain't taking it past this life. I guarantee you it, it it's not all it's not all yours like you think it is. Somebody shared not too long ago said, uh, talking about someone who had, who had really a. He he came to the point in his life and began to give and a very wealthy man. He said, "What what good is it going to do me to find out that I'm the richest man in the cemetery? What does that do?" I with John D. Rockefeller. I had read an article on him just reading, doing research on this. You know, he was the first in Standard Oil Company, and he monopolized the oil industry in the late 1800s, and uh, first billionaire. I think he was. He's a Christian Baptist guy who taught Sunday school tithe and everything. He came to, at 50 years old, he became the first billionaire in, in the United States. At 53, though, he was thought he was dying, literally dying. He was losing all of his hair. He could not he could only eat a couple of little things every day and, and he just didn't know what was going on and he could his money, his billion dollars, would not buy him health. But in a dream in his sleep he came to the conclusion to realize I need to begin to give this money away. He was literally they thought on the death's doorstep at fifty three. And he began to organize. And, of course, he started the University of Chicago, I think it was, but also uh, malaria and different ones. Penicillin, I think, came out of the research that he funded. Different things came out of what he began to give away. He happened to live to be a ripe old age, ripe old age <laughs> an age of 98 years old. But things began to change and we began to give it away. And begin to have a a spirit of generosity. Even though he's tithing, and you know, you can tithe and still not have the spirit of generosity. Just because you know it's the right thing to do. And you can also be in poverty and not be a person who has margins. Margins is way greater than that. Margins is a, a decision and a direction of seeking first the kingdom of God. Again, back to the question, where are you headed? Soren Kierkegaard says this on pursuing the kingdom of God. He said, should a person get a suitable job in order to exert a virtuous influence? His answer, no. We must first seek God's kingdom. Then should we give all of our money to feed the poor? His answer, no. We must first seek God's kingdom. I think one of the biggest things we have to settle up front is our lordship. You know, we've we've talked about He is our Savior, but He is also our Lord. I think Lordship, where are we headed? One of the questions is, who is Lord of this thing? What kingdom are we trying to build? Because in our modern world, all roads seem to lead to the marketplace. There's got to be a price to pay. But I think for most of us and most people, most people I run into, it goes with what Greg Easterbrook says. He said most people really want what what most people really want in life is love, friendship, respect, family, standing, fun. Is not priced and does not pass through the market. I love his point. If something isn't priced, you can't buy it. So possessing money may not help much. So just money alone is not going to get you what most people want. So where are you headed with this thing? What direction are you on? The second thing I would ask is this, or just encourage you this. You hear us talk about it a lot here. If you're going on a trip, what's the first thing you need to know? Well, you need to know where you're headed. But immediately after that is you need to know where you are. I would challenge you this week to find out where you are financially. Some of you may already know, may already have all that figured out. But I would challenge you this week to sit down and begin to figure out where you are financially. What, ha- what kind of resources do you have coming in? And where's all of it going to? And I mean get detailed. I mean from junk food to 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 eating out. To savings, are you saving anything? Are you giving anything away? But you need to figure that out. Because I think that's one of, most of us, most people operate not knowing where they're headed. And they don't know where they are right now either. It's just going out. They pay the bill when it comes. But there's no plan, there's no direction. And I would challenge you this week to begin to put a plan together. One of my challenges to you last week was, and I hope it was helpful to some of you, the challenge was last week was to be thankful and go through this week thanking God for things, but also doing what? Not doing what? Complaining. I think it's a huge challenge for most of us. But one of the bigger challenges, if you you operate from a generous and thankful heart, You'll have a heart that's full of joy. When you have a heart that's full of joy, we, don't, we have a marriage that's full of joy. When we have a marriage that's full of joy, we don't have divorce in the conversation, right? It begins to feed its way back. It begins to do things in our life. But one of them is when we begin to look at how we're going to dig out of this thing, instead of being at 2 o'clock in the morning trying to figure out how we're going to pull it together, we need to get a plan. And one of them is we need to figure out where we are. third thing is I'd say with this is examine your attitude towards money. Do you operate out of abundance and generosity or do you operate out of scarcity? Again, the word healthy is, means generous. The word unhealthy means stingy. If you were to described today if somebody described your attitude towards money, is it about building your kingdom? Or is it about building God's kingdom? If somebody would just look at your checkbook and, and begin to ask you, okay, what's your attitude? If they were to look at all this and what's your attitude towards money? Might get some interesting responses. Because you begin to look at it, you go, okay, if God's first, then okay, I pay God, I may be saved. Scripture talks about putting money away. The government, you know, is coming after theirs. You know your debtors are coming after theirs. And guess where you are? <laughs> You're number five. But the for so many people live here first. They live at number five first. I want to satisfy myself first. And when you live there. there's a recipe for disaster. It's a recipe for stress. It's a recipe for living without margin at all. Again, I know some people do it, the more stressed you are, the more you go by. I get that. I've been there. And I realized this morning, this topic is a tough topic. But some of you don't need to make more. You just need to spend less. But the bigger thing you need to know is, why do I spend it all? Do you buy things for their usefulness or for their status? We could go down a hundred questions here. But this week, just to step back and ask yourself, what's my attitude towards money? Richard Swenson says in his book, Margin, in his last words, he says in that chapter. He said, he says, money belongs to God. Wealth belongs to God. The kingdom belongs to God. We belong to God. Margin belongs to God. Only the choice belongs to us. I want to read Psalm 23 again. Let's read it together before we go and we'll take communion here. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in cream pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me. the presence of my enemies you anoint my head with oil my cup runs over surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever I'm gonna ask you this week there's a challenge with staff has had over the last few weeks in our devotional we do the good and beautiful God we're doing together is it every day this week If you would just put it somewhere, print it off, and just recite Psalm twenty three. Try to memorize it this week. We serve a generous and great God. We are limited, no doubt. We are limited in so many we're limited in time, we'll talk about we're limited in money. We know that. But you know a few things we're not limited in? We're not limited in love. You know, mathematics don't work on love. God not only loves us and wants us to know how much we're loved, He wants us to give that love away. You know, every time we give it away, we get more of it, I think. Time maybe is not the same way, and money is not the same way, but He loves us so much and wants to give us so much. But when we take control of this thing, and He, and we're not building His kingdom... We're in trouble. We are in trouble. I want you all to come and lead. we're going to transition now. And again, thank you guys for listening this morning. This is one of those, honestly, out of all the margins we've talked about, this is probably the hardest. Because I know in our culture... even what we've experienced over the last two to three days and we talked about last week from Black Friday to Black Thursday to, you know, it is that pressing in. It is that pushing us. It is that driving us to be maxed out. And I just hope as we walk through this whole series of margin and next week we'll... We're going to talk about progress. How progress... Is not giving us more space. In so many ways, it's taking it from us. Next week, part of our progress, we're going to, uh, our district superintendent is coming next week and we have the opportunity as a a church to take a big step in progress and organizing next Sunday. I think that doesn't mean anything to some of you and I understand that to some. It means a whole lot. But when it's all said and done. Because one of the challenges we've given to students and even some adults along the way is to write their obituary. It sounds pretty morbid, but it's really not. Because at the end of the day, when they stand and they, they begin to talk about you or me. I sure hope one of the things they describe me as is generous. I hope one of the things they describe me as. is a person who is trying to advance the kingdom. And not his own. I'm with you in this. Still trying to figure out how to do that. But I am convinced that one of those areas that we have to deal with. Is in the area of our finances get a chance to give this afternoon or as you leave in benevolence and thank you for those who are helping us with that but now we are going to get a chance to come and in remembrance as we celebrate the lord's supper as we do the first sunday of every month and we do this in remembrance of christ's life that he gave for us One of the things here is we just ask, if you're a believer, then you're sure welcome to participate if you know Christ as your Savior. That's all. Psalm 119.6 says, Lord, I will thank you by living as I should. And that's my prayer over us today as we live and walk and go. and Thank you never seems to be enough. But if I try to live it out best I know how that's sufficient as you come this morning those who want to come they will just take the bread dip it in the cup and you'll just go ahead and eat while you're here let me pray for us Lord thank you for today Lord all we know to do is to share your words try to help understand them try to help break them down Lord at the end of the day only you can stir a person's heart we can give direction we can give hopefully some level of insight but only you bring the conviction but most of all the power that goes with that to begin to live in a way that can only be done by being led by you But we thank you right now for this time we'll have to remember your body that was broken for us the blood that was shed for us we could have freedom Lord all the questions we said today even though they seem heavy we do believe you came to set us free and that includes all areas that we will desire to live in that freedom by making you Lord of our lives Lord thank you for this time